0: Section 31 of the American Book of the Dog. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tom Mack, Tucson, Arizona. The American Book of the Dog. G.O. Shields, editor. Section 31. The Sky Terrier. By Lawrence Timson. Probably no other subject in relation to doggy affairs has more written about or has given rise to more controversies, all more or less rancorous, in the past 20 years than the origin and true type of the Sky Terrier. At the same time, these controversies have left the subject in dispute pretty much as they found it, and although more or less light has been thrown on the different points at issue, no conclusion has ever yet been reached that was satisfactory to all fanciers of this breed. The disputants, after airing their theories and attacking their neighbors, ending as they began, each with his own opinion unaltered. I shall not attempt to notice and sum up these various controversies, even if an article such as this would admit of it which it does not. The matter would be too tedious and unprofitable. I shall take the type of sky terrier that is recognized today and confine myself to a slight sketch of what is known of its origin and history, not entering any speculations on the subject. Scattered throughout the whole of Scotland are various strains of rough-coated terriers. The terriers of one district having a certain similarity to the type, and differing more or less from those of other districts. Of these, there appears at present to be but two strains that are generally recognized as distinct breeds, the Skye and the Dandy Dinmont. Besides these, the Hard-Haired Scotch and the Airedale have lately come in for some notice in England, but have not yet attracted much attention in this country. Among other strains of more or less local celebrity are the Aberdeenshire's, Drynocks, Mogstads, and others, whose day on the show bench may come sometimes when some circumstance or other has brought them to the notice of the public, and they will emerge from the obscurity of their native dales. The Dandy Dinmont would have been as little known. Perhaps such a breed would not have been in existence at all today, if their praises and those of old James Davidson of Hindley, the stout old Liddesdale yeoman, had not been sung by Sir Walter Scott in his Guy Mannering. This Guy, though a native of the island whose name he bears and of the adjacent coast, like his cousin, the dandy Dinmont, who originally came from the borders of Liddesdale and the Teviot district, has left his native place. And has been for so long a time established generally all through the highlands that comparatively few come from or are to be found now at the original home of the breed. There is a story current to the effect that the strain of terriers on the island of Skye and the adjacent mainland got that silky texture of coat which distinguishes them from the other strains from some mythical white Spanish dogs that came ashore from the wreck of some ships of the Spanish Armada that were lost among the Hebrides. Whether this be true or not, we find the Sky Terrier possessed of a longer and comparatively more silky coat than the other strains. The breed is pretty generally divided into two classes, the drop-eared and the prick-eared. About the only difference between them being the carriage of the ears and tail And in the drop-eared variety a smaller head, a longer body, and a somewhat longer and softer coat. They are practically the same, however, this difference in type being brought about merely by selection owing to the preference of some for the longer silkier coated dog for a pet over his more workmanlike cousin. For the purposes of this article I will treat them as one and the same, having at the outset pointed out what differences do exist between them. The Sky Terrier is a long, low, well-built, wiry little fellow with a good hard jacket, an intelligent, alert expression, and a sound constitution which enables him to go almost anywhere, do almost anything, and rough it with his master in any climate. He is a born sportsman, always ready for a quiet bit of sport in a barn or along the hedgerows displaying the utmost keenness and sagacity in the pursuit of all sorts of vermin, and he is death to any animal of his own weight. Although always ready to defend himself or his master, and never showing the white feather, no matter what the odds may be against him, in size or numbers he, unlike the fox, dandy, and Irish terrier, is not at all quarrelsome. The sky is a peaceful, well-conducted little citizen, and attends strictly to his own affairs, unless those affairs are interfered with by others. This quarrelsome characteristic tells seriously against the other breeds mentioned, especially as ladies' companions. The Red Irishman, in particular, dearly loves a mill, and, figuratively speaking, is always trailing his coattails behind him, and trying to have them walked on. The sky's temper can always be relied on and he can be implicitly trusted with children. No other breed is better adapted to going to earth. Their long and low conformation, resembling that of weasels and other earth-frequenting vermin, giving the greatest amount of size and strength possible for the small caliber required. Their disposition resembles very much that of the Highlanders themselves, in their love of home and in war by their dash, pluck, and dogged courage, and endurance, and by a loyalty and devotion to their master, through fair and foul weather, only equaled by that of the old Scotch Jacobites for the head of the house of Stuart. The Skye is an exceptionally good house dog, and his coat, though so long, is entirely free from any unpleasant odor. In spite of its length, too, it requires very little care to keep it in order. After a run in the country, Or on a muddy road or over plowed land, he requires to be quarantined in the lower regions for a while before being allowed in the house. And in the autumn, whenever he gets his coat full of burrs, it requires a free use of the scissors and the sacrifice of considerable hair to remove them. Under ordinary conditions, however, in town or country, his coat requires no more attention than that of other breeds. All this applies to dogs With outer coats of the proper texture, straight and comparatively hard, parting down the center of the back naturally, without any tendency to kink or curl. Skies, especially drop-eared ones, whose coats are too soft, approaching more nearly that of the Yorkshire, of course give much more trouble in this respect, requiring frequent thorough soakings in tepid water and considerable brushing and combing to keep their jackets straight. The sky is a good water dog, taking to it without the least hesitation, be it ever so cold. And he is the best of watch dogs. a vigilant little sky being the surest burglar alarm one can have. Of course, I am speaking now of the sky as he naturally is, and as he should be. His natural disposition, his intelligence, and his love of sport are in many instances spoiled by his being made from puppyhood a pampered, house pet, and his coat and constitution likewise suffer from warm quarters, overfeeding, and lack of proper exercise. He is deservedly popular among gamekeepers throughout both England and Scotland, and equally so about the stables or in the laborer's cottage. And for work and on country rambles or by his fireside, the squire can have no better companion than this friendly, cheerful little fellow. He is particularly well adapted for a townhouse, and on the whole is all around the most companionable of small dogs, and especially for ladies. It may appear to some, especially those who admire the unquestionable merits of other breeds, that I have been showing the sky through rose-colored glasses, but I am speaking from experience. I have owned, at one time or another, Terriers of about all the breeds, and none of my old friends are forgotten. As I write, I can see, in fancy, a row of wistful little faces, white ones and red ones, blue, tan, and grizzle, stretching away back to my schoolboy days. And apart from all the feelings for particular individuals, I can truly say that the sky has proved himself to be, to me, the best. And I am glad to have an opportunity such as this of paying him the tribute he deserves. The history of the Sky Terrier in America commences as does that of the majority of our breeds of dogs, with the institution by the Westminster Kennel Club of their first annual bench show in 1877. Previous to that time, almost any blue, rough-coated terrier was called in this country a sky, and at the first few shows, the exhibits were generally pretty much all of the nondescript order. But the winners were nearly all of the right stamp, and the dog-loving public soon learned in a general way what a sky should really look like. Among the first exhibitors were Mr. W.P. Sanderson of Philadelphia, who showed Donald, and Mr. Robert McClellan of New York with Tom. Later came Mr. Robert Sewell of Tarrytown with Tatters and others. The most successful dog that has yet appeared on the bench over here is Mr. W.P. Sanderson's Jim, whose winnings are first, Pittsburgh. CHAMPION NEW YORK CHAMPION CLEVELAND 1882 CHAMPION NEW YORK CHAMPION WASHINGTON 1883 CHAMPION NEW YORK CHAMPION PHILADELPHIA 1884 CHAMPION PHILADELPHIA 1885 CHAMPION NEW YORK 1886 FIRST BOSTON 1887 FIRST PHILADELPHIA 1887 Boss, imported by Mr. George Peabody Wetmore of Newport, the best sky that had up to then appeared on this side, with the exception of Mr. Sanderson's Jim, was shown at New York in 1884, and in the same year Mr. George Sanderson of Mockton, New Brunswick, entered the lists with Wattie and Fanny. Among the principal breeders and exhibitors of the sky in America, Besides those already mentioned are Mr. A. W. Powers of Lansingburg, New York, Dr. M. H. Cryer of Philadelphia, Mr. S. S. Howland of Mount Morris, New York, Mr. Cornelius Stevenson of Philadelphia, Messrs. Oldham and Wiley of Mamaroneck, New York, the Meadowthorpe Kennels of Lexington, Kentucky, and Mr. F. W. Flint of New York. The following is the standard and scale of points of the Sky Terrier. Head, value 15. Ears and eyes, 10. Body and neck, 15. Legs and feet, 10. Tail, 10. Coat, 20. Color, 5. Size and symmetry, 15. Total, 100 points. The head should be long, rather narrow between the ears increasing in width between the eyes with a flat skull, little or no brow, and a pointed nose. The teeth should be perfectly level and evenly set in good strong jaws, nose and roof of mouth black or very dark brown, ears and eyes. The ears are set on rather high, not large, being less than three inches long, but the hair on them mixing in with that of the head, neck, and cheeks makes them look much larger. In the drop-eared variety, they should fall perpendicularly and lie close to the cheek. In the prick-eared variety, they should stand well up, without any outward inclination. The eyes should be dark, brown, or hazel, of medium size, and sharp in expression, though at the same time bespeaking wisdom and kindliness. Body and Neck The back is long, but strongly coated with muscle and perfectly straight, any tendency toward the roach back of the dandy Dinmont being especially objectionable. The ribs are round, the chest barrel-like, and the back ribs should extend well toward the hips. The neck is long and well clothed with muscle, rising evenly out of the chest. Shoulders strong and rather upright. Legs and feet the legs should be straight and the elbows and stifles not turned out. The thighs should be well clothed with muscle down to the hocks. FEET round and well covered with hair. There should be no dew claws. TAIL-This should be carried low by the drop eared variety, and about level with the back by the prick eared. Under excitement it is sometimes carried gaily. COAT The outer coat should consist of hard, long, straight hair, and the undercoat should be close, soft and woolly in texture. On the back, the coat should be straight and free from curl, and should part naturally down the middle. This parting is usually assisted with the comb, but it cannot be so trained by this alone if the outer coat is naturally curly and of a woolly texture. Although the outer coat is hard and straight, The inner woolly coat is so thick on the body that when the dog is wet it prevents the outer coat from collapsing and adhering to his sides. On the head and legs this is not the case, and when the dog is wet his head presents a very different aspect from that shown when in the natural state, it looking so much smaller and longer. The length of the coat on the body should be considerable but should not be so great as to entirely hide the animal's shape, or to touch the ground. On the head it should be long, overhanging the eyes, often so as to completely conceal them. The tail should be well feathered, but not so as to make it appear bushy or woolly. The legs also should have a certain amount of feather, but without any approach to matting. The colors should be black and slate, or black with white hairs, Silver gray or fawn. Silver gray is certainly the handsomest for a lady's pet especially. This latter should be tipped with black and the fawn with black or dark brown. Size and symmetry. The Sky Terrier should stand from nine to 10 inches high at the shoulder and his length from end of nose to tip of tail should be from 35 to 40 inches. The prick-eared variety a trifle shorter in proportion to his height. The weight should be from 16 to 20 pounds. He should display perfect symmetry in his proportions. In preparing the sky for the bench, the all-important point to be looked after is the coat. No matter how good a dog may be otherwise, if his coat is in bad shape when he faces the judge, he has to go to the wall. The principal thing to do to get the coat in good shape is to keep the skin healthy by means of proper exercise and feeding. This, together with protecting the coat for the time from wet and dirt, and by proper washing and brushing, which, however, must not be overdone, will bring about the desired result. The subject of our illustration, Lovat, the property of Mr. Cornelius Stevenson of Philadelphia, was bred by Mr. A. Crombie of Edinburgh, and was whelped April 10, 1887 his sire is Sir William Wallace, Dam Daisy. His winnings are 2nd Air, 2nd Glasgow, 2nd Greenock, 2nd Paisley, 1st and Special Dundee, 1st and Special Dunfermline, 1st New York, 1889, and 1st and Special Philadelphia, 1889. I hope that the sky will continue to advance in popularity in the future as rapidly as he has in the past, and that I may have brought his merits to the notice of new friends, and have been instrumental in establishing him in a higher niche among the dogs of America. End of chapter 31 Reading by Tom Mack